0: Welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's guest is Andrew Donald. Andrew is the managing director of Total Generators, a company based in Queensland, Australia. Working in the equipment rental industry for over 30 years, Andrew's also second generation rental, joining the industry through his father, Ian Donald, and Paul Capara's business, Dom Hire, Andrew, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you first became involved in the equipment rental industry?
1: No worries, Mark. Well, officially I got involved in 1991 through a business, Dom Hire, which was in Bansdale in Victoria. But realistically, the equipment rental industry is kind of in my DNA. I grew up around equipment, uh, grew up with family business, grew up uh, watching my dad spent a lot of hours, uh, you know, at, uh, in the business uh, in Morwell in Victoria and then later on in Melbourne and then in Queensland. So I've kind of uh, been familiar with it from probably the age of five. Uh, we would travel to America. We went to American Rental Association shows, which were great. Uh, I always enjoyed doing yard tours. I got to meet some amazing people at the yard tours. I sometimes get to walk with Andy Kennard or Jim Brown. Have a chat to Gary Kerr, all, all very approachable people, and uh, quite quite good to me. Just as this kid who was walking around uh, looking at different equipment uh, on holidays, different times. So I got into it in '91. I started as a as a yardman. I did that in Bend style, as I said, and then I progressed into other fields, uh, high controlling sales in regional area, and as well as in metropolitan Melbourne. Then moved to Queensland. And uh, got into more management type roles. Very
0: nice. So maybe just let's go down history land a little bit because it's always interesting learning about companies that are from the past. So, so what is what what, what was Dumpray? Dumpray? Do you say hire?
1: Yeah, yeah. Dumprah is an unusual word. It's a combination of two surnames. So it was a combination of my dad's surname Ian Donald and Paul Caprara, who was his business partner. They uh, started in the seventies, I think. Um, originally, it was a civil engineering company. Dad was a civil engineer. Paul was a concreter and they were in bridge construction. Then um, when Latrobe Valley uh, really boomed, they expanded and started renting out the equipment I think they originally had for construction and uh, moved into uh, access equipment from there until they eventually phased out construction altogether and just became a full rental business some stage in the 80s. I always admired that growing up, Dad had amazing relations with some of the uh, suppliers particularly in the access game. John Shevlin, Chris Goddard, guys like that. Then um, the business expanded in the 90s, came into Queensland, got into roller hire, into compaction, specialising in compaction. I transferred from Morwell and moved into Queensland. I was pretty proud of the fact that I was at a high convention a few years ago in Brisbane and there was a plaque on the wall there and it listed the top 10 rental businesses based on turnover of the 90s and Dompera was in there about number eight or number nine, I think, which was uh, quite a good thing to see. Just in brief, I suppose, the business was um, was uh, had something like 100 employees, I think. Eventually got caught up with a slowdown in activity in the late 90s and um, the debt-to-equity ratio got unsustainable and the business was since uh, uh, broken up and um, some sections of it sold. So for me, though... The, um, the amazing thing that I got out of that other than being lucky enough to work with some amazing people there and I still have some great relations with them was I got to uh, work with a group of administrators and the administrators um, teach you a lot about what, uh, what's really important when you're in a rental business.
0: Wow. So there's a, I got a lot of questions here. So I'm going to note down the first and we'll come back to that. So can we talk a little bit about your father's company, in the 70s and 80s, how it evolved into a rental business? Because that's a really interesting concept. Like, Did you talk to me much about like, the first bit of gear he decided to rent out and what that evolution looked like? Was that something that you've had of those discussions?
1: No, I've not been into that detail. Or maybe I was, I was too young at the time. I can, I can share with you subconsciously, though, I remember there was some things that had no idea of or no appreciation for safety. There was four-wheel uh, dump trucks that had a dumper on the front there was uh, rollers, et cetera, that had no such things as ROPS canopies, uh, no protection, things like that. Um, I, what sort of equipment it would have been, it would have definitely been concrete-related equipment. It would have been your, your vibe shafts, your motor units, your screeds, your trowel machines, those sort of things.
0: Hey, Rental Journal podcast listeners. Did you know that most salespeople spend less than 50% of their time actually selling? Arrow lives at the intersection of your systems you use most. So you can replace the many with one just simple, powerful tool. Generate, manage, and close deals inside Arrow. Manage inventory and send quotes in just three clicks. Not only is Arrow a sales tool, but it's also a growth tool. Run marketing campaigns right out of Arrow to your ad and social accounts, text and share products with customers directly, and get text responses in Arrow Chat. Best of all, no data entry. Finally, a powerful way to close deals from anywhere. Unlock your growth with Arrow, the tool built for the heavy equipment industry to generate, manage, and close big deals in a simple, powerful way. Enjoy the rest of the podcast, but be sure to shoot Arrow a DM on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn to learn more. Wow, okay, and so how old were you when you first joined the business, did you say?
1: Well, oh, when I joined, I was probably 20. I spent a little bit of time pottering around in equipment and menswear and then uh, kind of I really wanted to do some things for myself first and uh, so I I pottered around a few different things but I always knew that I'd come back to equipment rentals because I was never afraid to touch the equipment to drive the equipment to get involved in uh, new pieces of equipment that were coming through particularly when I joined access equipment in Victoria was really starting to take off so we were starting to see boom lifts, scissor lifts, as opposed to just old-fashioned cherry pickers and things like that. So there was a lot of stimulation and a lot of interest there to grow with that industry, that knowledge. Victoria is a fairly heavy unionized state. and I think that's another reason why, as access equipment was coming to Australia, a lot of it was being accepted quite readily in Victoria, and hence that created a bit of a mini boom. And then being based on the Troy Valley as well, there was a lot of construction going on there, the, uh, the development of Loyang, and, uh, yeah, it was very exciting times, a lot of new gear coming through and wasn't really that hard, I think, to create um, a niche in some of those markets, which is sort of what any successful rental business needs to do, even when they're generalists.
0: Yeah. Who would have thought that the that EWP industry could be a niche market <laughs> when you look at it today, yeah? Every high company's got a boom lift, a sizzle lift floating around somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's and it still goes through... Uh maturity evolutions, I find. You know, there's Dompra was very successful with the access market uh, from my perspective in Victoria. And then there was uh obviously Coates took on a lot. I mean, I remember what there was this little mini celebration when Coates took their 1000th piece of access gear. I think it was in one of the higher journals at the time on the front page. But then a specialist company would come along and they came and left. There was GKN, there was LinMac uh, back in my day. And these sort of companies just came, then they'd be bought out by someone else and they'd, a new uh, a new product would hit the market that would make the old one redundant and away it would go again. So, mm. And I don't think that will change in the future.
0: Yeah. So so you said for a good rental operator, it's very important to focus on a niche market. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because it would be great for the listeners that are new to the industry to learn a little bit about that.
1: I guess uh, I can... Say from a personal perspective, because what Dad went through. But if you're going to compete head to head with your competitors, you simply won't work. That model doesn't work. It's uh, I've got this saying that if you there's no magic formula in rental. If you try to do the same as what your competitors are doing and just do it at a more competitive rate, it's not sustainable. It won't work. Rental is very much about patience. It's very much about process efficiency and smarts and building a sound reputation. They don't happen overnight and they don't happen quickly. So in my opinion, the sustainable model needs to come around having a broad spectrum of what your market will need and what your client is most likely to choose you to take, but also have a range of equipment And products and services that make you unique from anybody else who may be competing directly with you. That's the only way that you'll make a difference. It's the only way that I believe you can uh, survive unless you've got some access to money that's cheaper than anybody else.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I guess there's a bit of risk to it as well because you're taking a gamble on, hey, this new bit of gear. going to solve this problem but then who knows whether that's going to take off become popular so it sounds like relationships is very important as well to build up that niche market
1: in my opinion the market is very much about education so there's always new equipment coming through in all different sectors whether it's generators or compressors or access gear or concreting equipment it's a matter of understanding what that is how it will create value to potential customers, and then taking it to them so that they can they can see it, they can touch it, they can trial it. And that is where you'll get your education and your point of difference. And that is where you will stand the strongest chance of having something that's sustainable against some of the multinational players that particularly are more focused on volume and process and being uh, consistent in what they offer to the market.
0: And just to go back to my question that I put, took a mental note on. So you mentioned that you got some learnings from the administrators when they came into Dunpera Hire. Can you talk through some of those learnings that you had?
1: Um, I'm glad you've asked because it's something that I don't believe you can teach. I think that there's many of the processes that I still utilize here now. And it was an incredible exercise in working through the mechanics of what is really required to keep a business functioning for the benefit of the, the financiers and the customers and the staff. And uh, to give you an example, it's just the, the, the system of, pro, of purchasing. Purchasing can be done on different levels. You can have a level where you allow purchasing to take place in your branches. You can have it where it's centralized. There's arguments that both have their merits as to what might work, but administrators certainly know how to hold on to pennies.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's an interesting concept as well because yeah, I've definitely seen many operations where they try and centralise things and they also put out to the branches. What are the, what are the key differences between those two models? Do you think
1: control uh, centrally? You have a lot more control. You have the ability to challenge things easier. You have the ability to hold people accountable for the decisions if they're wanting to acquire something that is essentially an expense to a business. Whereas when you pass that accountability or that autonomy, I suppose, down to a branch level, you and that was the model that Domper had, you are looking to make your, for example, a branch manager more accountable for the expenses. But at the end of the day, it's not their money. So mm. that model works well from an efficiency point of view. I think it works best for customer service as well. But it reaches a point where if your working capital or your liquidity is at risk of being less than an acceptable sustainable model to operate, then you need to operate on a more conservative model, which is a more of a centralized model.
0: Mm. Yeah, I guess that model allows that branch manager to almost run his branch with his own PL at that point in time. And he's responsible for the revenue and costs, I guess.
1: Yeah. And some rental businesses do prefer that model where they they make the accountability and they may even have an incentive scheme around that pushed at the branch level. And as I said, I'm I have experienced both. Personally, I think the centralized model is more effective for my style of management. But at the same time, I try to run a method of transparency so that if there is something that comes up that is um, a non-recoverable cost as an example of what we call it. We might drill down into that and we want to understand why you've made that choice to purchase that item.
0: Mm. And another question that came to my head, a few questions are floating around here around liquidity, liquidity of assets. So when you're going through and you're adding new bits of gear into your fleet and you're trying to figure out the finance payments, the utilization and all that calculation, is there a quick formula that you have sort of got in your mind when you're working through these things or like, What should a new operator be thinking about? that's probably part of the administrator's thoughts as well. Yeah. Like what is the ROI of the asset? What's the cost that's coming in? Are you over leveraged? Things like that.
1: So in in my experience, administrators are not concerned about ROI. They're only concerned about protecting the financier's interest, which is normally a a financier like a bank or an institution. So they have no concern about the medium and the long-term viability of what they're managing, I suppose. Whereas, when you're talking about a proprietor or an owner or someone looking to get into the uh, rental business, there are people that have formulas and there's some terrific formulas around and spreadsheets that you can use. And there's, there's uh, I don't have anything that's hard and fast that I can share with you. <laughs> I think if you're considering purchasing capital and it has a payback return that is greater than four years, you should probably exercise a lot of caution.
0: True. some good advice. All right. Well, we should probably learn a bit more about what you're doing today as well because we could go down this path for quite a long time. Uh, so, so when did you first start Total Generators and then what was that decision to go into for business yourself then?
1: Total Generators uh, was actually has been around since the 90s. It was originally uh, trading as a different uh, trading name. In 2002, the business kicked off as Total Generators and I acquired the business in 2007. I I had a um, terrific five years prior to that working at Agreco. Um, I really enjoyed my time working there and uh, I was able to utilize my time from that experience working as part of a global organization as well as the grassroots, I suppose, from general equipment to uh, integrate that into into this business and and have the opportunity to be self-employed.
0: So do you want to maybe talk through... I guess the different types of challenges you went through then, because you went through watching Dompra hire and that, that op- operation go through its, its life cycle and then buying into a business. So what were the different types of challenges between Dompra hire compared to total generators?
1: And on reflection, Dompra was looking to be a direct competitor with Coates. Back in those times, there was really the three major players were Dompra, Coates, and Recair hire growing up. Coates made a number of plays to acquire Dompera, but it, it wasn't of interest to the uh, to the stakeholders. I think uh, Coates eventually went on to buy RecAir, which was a terrific acquisition.
0: So, so maybe do you want to go down the route of, I guess, what were the challenges that you faced when you first acquired Total Generators?
1: Okay, so the challenges when we first acquired Total Generators, we had to establish a customer base. There were some customers that the business had, but it was very small. The business was... Was heavily heavily neglected. It was only operated from a central business in Brisbane, but I suppose the challenges for Total Generators in two thousand seven were protecting its cash flow. It it needed a financier that it was really married to, and I set up an arrangement with with one of the Big Four from the start. I said to them that this is going to be a journey that I want you to be a part of. The intention overall is to enjoy the journey and to have fun, and we're not going to have success overnight. So if you're looking for a long-term client, then stick with me. I spent months preparing business plans and profit and loss forecasts so that I gave them some very competent information to give them some confidence. Then also went about finding like-minded people, I suppose, which is another big challenge when you're starting up a rental business.
0: Yeah, so how do you attract those people then?
1: Is it purely through your network
0: or like what? Because that's it's probably one of the biggest challenges in the market. I think even today, like mechanics is one thing in particular, like people, it's really hard to find good mechanics coming through a business, but when you're starting up your own business or you're acquiring a business, and you want to build a, your dream team, let's just call it like, what's what's the first step that you sort of take to sort of build that team out?
1: Okay. First and foremost, the secret to a sound rental business is recruitment and finding the right people. So, Recruitment is probably, in my opinion, the most underrated criteria that you need to have for a successful business. You've got to have your selection criteria right before you even go to market. So know the ideal person that you're after before you start. Then when you go to market, you won't be wavered by a competitor's employee or somebody who looks good on paper You can stay focused on what you really need to suit your rental business, which will be different from somebody else based on what your business needs to suit the skill set that you need to take your business to the next level.
0: Mm. And do you do that recruitment internally or do you outsource that recruitment? We do do it it all
1: internally. So we do all of our recruitment internally. Uh, We do use agencies from time to time, but agencies I find tend to have a premeditated expectation on what they believe you need, even when they've listened to you and you've told them what you need.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah, nah, for sure. You, you want to make sure that you've got the right part. It's like the bank. You want to know if you've got a partnership for the recruiter as well to know that it's a long-term relationship and they're not just trying to tick a box for interviews and,
1: and those and, things. And when you get it right, it's hugely successful. So at Total Generators, we have over 35 staff. Over half of those staff are longer than 10-year servers. So it's testimonial that if you get it right at the start, it will save you money in the long run and it will build depth in your experience and your skill sets, which particularly if you're starting up a rental business and therefore it's a small rental business, it's all about multi-skilling. It's all about depth and building customer confidence by them talking to a limited number of people that know what they're talking about.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a good point, the multi-skilling you got to have people that are dynamic and want to learn, eager to learn. And, and, uh, and yeah, I, I think the thing that I love when I hear these success stories, and I've had a few people on the podcast talk about it. Like I love when I hear stories of like customers calling, asking for somebody, Hey, can I talk to Bill? Cause Bill knows how to solve my problems. You want to get those people within the business to, to become that, that go-to advocate for your customers, I guess.
1: Yeah. It happens a lot. And and, and information is power. So if you can share that knowledge and your staff know that you are prepared to share your knowledge with them, I mean, I, I have 25, 30 years of knowledge and experience. And if somebody comes in that is 20 years old and they want to forge a career in the rental industry, the only way they're going to develop that is through asking questions and having someone that is prepared to share that information with them. And um, and I think some of the the great thing about the rental industry is some of the icons of the rental industry are prepared to do that. All mm-hmm. you gotta do is ask.
0: Yeah. And things like the Higher Rental Industry Association, the conventions and whatnot, you'll have these icons walking around often, even I've I've noticed the very approachable, very approachable people and uh, willing to give you time to talk through just even just listening to your story. I, I had who was I had someone on um, uh, just the other day from NPE and he was talking through talking to one of these icons and was surprised that he was asking follow-up questions and he was actually interested in what this person was doing. And so I think these young people need to realize that these, these icons, that there's a wealth of knowledge and they will, are keen, will and are keen to give back to the, to the next generation.
1: Exactly. I think that's the key word is they're keen to give back. And anybody who's a successful leader isn't afraid to share because they're not intimidated. They're not concerned about proving anything they're out there to develop and share that knowledge for other people's benefits i think it's important i think it's long-sighted
0: yeah very good so when i saw on your website you have locations in uh, we have some regional locations in uh clon and alice springs which is you know, for anyone that's not in australia very regional locations so do you want to talk through what's the process of setting up a location in a regional location or what are some of the common challenges with that
1: You need to know what the acceptance is going to be like. You need to know the uh, monitor the market and have a feel for what you should expect when you get there. I can say that with experience because in the past, Total Generators tried to open an operation in Newcastle, which was very unsuccessful. And that happened because we didn't do enough research on the market to start with. And we found that our equipment And the client base wasn't ready to accept what we're offering. So I can say firsthand that I now spend more time listening to the market, reading signals from activity levels. So we monitor where the equipment is, what the equipment's doing, what type of equipment is in markets, and listen to customers. Typically, we don't pay much attention to what our competitors are doing, but logistics are very important to us. So A successful rental business is built around utilisation. Assets that are sitting still need to either be high margin assets or something that is unique or boutique. And for our business, as with any business that has a network of branches, the key is utilisation. So to achieve utilisation, you need to have a spread of a network of branches that are able to be interconnected, to service customers needs in a reasonable period of time. So in total generators case, we see that as being 12 hours. So we can move any piece of machine to any location that we look after within 12 hours. And that gives us the fluidness that we need to maintain an acceptable utilization level on our fleet. Mm,
0: yeah. And talking about the generators' side a little bit more. So can you talk through the specs and the technology of your first generator that you were involved with in the business and how that compares to the technology of the generators that you're putting out on rent today?
1: Sure, it's a very technical question. And I'm not an electrician by trade, but uh, it's changed a lot. As in, a generator once upon a time was really, you know, if we go back to even the, the, the 90s and my early days in rental, a generator was very much a canopy, an engine, an alternator on a skid base that you uh, rented out a new service that looked after it was a fixed speed engine uh, very much like a compressor or a welder. And um, it went out and came back. If you fast forward to the technology now, it's very much focused on, on safety. It's focused on within safety. It focuses on lots of signage on what you can and can't touch. It focuses on the protection of the machine. At the end of the day, we're dealing with electricity. So electricity can kill. It focuses on the environment a lot more than it used to. All machinery now has to have a a fully bunded base that can handle its own uh, fluids in the event of a spill. No one wants to see anything falling on a site. The engines these days are a lot more um, energy efficient, but also considerate of the emissions that uh, that they put out. And that's only going to get even more strict in the future. And the technology's changed too. Once upon a time, again, with the first generators, they were all key start. These days, it's all remote controlled. The entire fleet is telemetry controlled. So an iPhone with the proper access can control a generator, it can monitor a generator, it can tell a generator to change its behavior. And these are some of the wonderful technologies that are available to us now that we will develop into the future with our fleet and possibly other people that have generators as well and other probably lines of equipment the same.
0: It's amazing how much the telematics data has come along with the the use of generators uh, and, and all other bits of gear as well, but being able to remotely look at equipment and fuel levels or uh, power usage or whatever it might be that you're sort of monitoring, but be able to see that from afar and even to the point of making diagnostics for breakdowns or repairs or, or preempting breakdowns even uh, is, is quite amazing.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, At the end of the day, when you reflect on the journey of, or the development journey of any equipment line, including access equipment, the one thing that hasn't changed that remains consistent is reliability. At the end of the day, a client, when they come to a rental business, is looking to pay a fee for a service and a product that is reliable. And that hasn't changed and will probably never change.
0: Mm, definitely. And you spoke about niche markets and being unique in your offering. So, so what makes your business unique?
1: I guess uh, experience has taught me that uniformity is a very important value add that we integrated from the start. So what makes us unique is equipment uniformity. So you will get the same product in the same size, no matter where you are. I think customers appreciate that. We like to do the jobs and we typically get past the jobs that are outside a traditional general rental company applicator. So if somebody wants something beyond just a standard machine, typically they'll look to a business like ours. So that's probably makes us unique. The engineering and the build time and quality that goes into our equipment makes us unique. We're, our model is built on equipment designed to last probably over 20 years. And that comes through engineering design and uh, modifying the equipment so that it has a much longer life cycle than you would otherwise get from something if you bought it out of China or some some, uh, typical, some of the models that some rental businesses use. Some rental businesses like to use a model where they bring it in new, they keep it for a shorter period of time, then on sell it. Our model is more driven towards longer term buying it in, uh, investing more heavily upfront to achieve a longer lifestyle out of the equipment. And our business unique, I can't not mention people. So people, people recognition and rewarding people for efficiency.
0: Very nice. And then talking through a journey, you said 25, 35 years in the industry, which is quite an amazing feat in itself. But if we go back 25 years ago, what was it like working the equipment industry? And fast forward, to say 2025, what do you think the landscape of the industry is going to look like?
1: 25 years ago, uh, I was just a junior. I was a yardman and I was driving trucks. And uh, it, was, it was very much about relationships. So less important was, uh, was the equipment, less important was even the processes. It was all about relationships uh, and, and less retail focused. And uh, at the end of the day, you're able to have a beer and go home. I think uh, it was dominated... 25 years ago by more individual players, more uh, family oriented businesses. And there was uh, really only a couple of national players that really focused on the volume and the unique type of uh, flavor that comes to a business like I try to engage here at Total. It was, was similar to that, I suppose. I think that uh, there was really just the national players like, uh, like Coats Hire, But the difference is now, if you fast forward 25 years, and I'm really looking at Latrobe Valley and my time there, back 25 years ago, Coates was not the major player in Latrobe Valley. There was very much Dompera and Rec Air Hire. Uh, Whereas these days, through the maturity in the last 25 years, Coates very much has the network and the volume and uh, between them and Kennards, I suppose, are, are really the true national major players, yeah. I think that the future of the rental industry is going to look like uh, more of a sustainable model. It'll be more about developing customers. It'll be more focused on the equipment emissions and more focused on safety than it probably was 25 years ago. I think those key things won't change in the future ever.
0: Mm. Yeah, you mentioned that the emissions side is only getting stricter and, and safety is obviously here to stay. Do you think many rental businesses are ready for the, re- the increased focus on emissions reductions? Because I, will it change the landscape of the equipment, do you think, that's sort of getting put through these businesses? Or like how long away do you think that's going to be?
1: I think, personally, Australia is quite slow in its development, and uh, both on safety and emissions. And therefore, the people that really want to focus on getting ahead of the game should probably look overseas, particularly across Europe. The development there is in generators particularly is a lot further ahead than it is here. And I think we're going because of we are a nation where we are, it will be slower to take up the change because of the commercial disadvantage. So I think that rental businesses are equipped and will continue to be equipped because it's a, an industry where it's evolving all the time. The key will be to keep your ears open, attend the conventions like the hire and rental. And if you're fortunate enough, the American or the European, talk to the suppliers, learn about what's coming through the market and be prepared to invest to remain competitive and keep up with the changes. It's always hard because of the extra costs to accept the benefits of safety and the emission benefits in the short term. But if you are able to, I think, take a more medium term and a longer term view and invest early and that way you'll be ahead of the game when the changes come through and are forced on us. But I think that time is still a long way away for Australia.
0: Mm. Yeah, so do you want to talk through maybe some of the countries that you think are quite ahead? And is there any companies in particular that you think are really ahead of the curve, maybe overseas in this area? Is there anyone that you sort of research on?
1: I can only really reflect on my space that I'm in as in generators and power generation, et cetera. The countries that are are ahead would be Germany, Italy, Spain, Japan, to some extent, but Japan, not so much on the technology size, but certainly on the quality side. The suppliers that are probably ahead of the game, I think Atlas Copco is probably ahead of the game and everybody would know who they are. They're very prominent in our, our industry. They invest quite heavily in their research and development. They're not afraid to bring product to the market that is possibly very advanced for even the Australian market and where, it, uh, where it's required. Yeah. 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 Nice to hear.
0: So look, it'd be good to learn a little bit more about you as well. So can you talk about who you think played a big influence on you from a mentor perspective?
1: Okay, so the people that paid an influence on me from a mentoring perspective. Uh, my dad was very influential from a mentoring perspective. The great thing about dad is he always made himself available. So now that I'm doing total and I'm also managing director, I have an appreciation for how hard it can be sometimes to make yourself available for people. I always felt that he made himself available to me and I've tried to carry that on because I think it's quite a good quality to, uh, to be open for people to come and communicate with you. So dad was very much operations focused. Uh, the other person that, that uh, had been influential from a mentoring perspective is a gentleman called Mark Rich. I worked with Mark only for a couple of years in the Domper High days. And even though it was fairly short, Mark was very intense and very knowledgeable with what he knew from a process and systems point of view and a product point of view. So we were able to uh, work together for a short period of time, but uh, at the same time, have a very intense process at developing my knowledge. He was the general manager of the business at the time and uh, I reported to him. And uh, I think he knew that even though his time with Dompro wasn't going to be, forever because essentially much like Paul Caprara's kids um, at the time and myself we both would have had intentions to uh, remain in the business and work there long term as well Um, I think Mark was very mature and he saw his place as being a coach at developing the skill sets of people like myself so I could be equipped to take on a more senior role in a rental business uh, such as at that stage Dompra. And um, and I really respected that. I really took that on board. And and between us, we didn't have any sort of uh, intimidation or any sort of threats. And um, he continued even uh, uh, in future years being a mentor and someone I still talk to from time to time. Yeah,
0: awesome. Is he still in the industry, or what's he doing these days?
1: I'm not sure. I know it. Uh, he went on after Dompra to manage the Victorian division of Coats or the Southern Region. And I think from there he also did. I think he also was the CEO at one stage of Onsite and the Onsite group. I think since then he has got out of the industry, but uh, no, a gentleman who uh, has a lot of knowledge and a lot of uh, very strong processes and a lot of good values to offer businesses in the rental very industry.
0: Nice. Very nice. And so if you could go back and give your younger self some advice, what would you say?
1: I found this question hard. I would answer that question with, there's no such thing as luck. I believe that you create your own luck by seizing opportunities when they present themselves. So some people will say that they are lucky. I get told that I'm lucky, but I reflect on that. And I don't think that that is the case. I think that I've been able to see an opportunity when it presents itself and I've been able to harness that opportunity to further my career.
0: Yeah. Well, I think Gary Kerr said it on his podcast episode, I think, or maybe it was Ash. He did. Yeah. He said the people always he always jokes that the the harder he works, the luckier he gets.
1: Yeah, that's (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing with the rental industry. It's it's all consuming. I think reflecting on the people that I've known over twenty-five or thirty years, one thing the rental industry is that I don't mind sharing is it's quite hard on you personally. And I think that people that are reflecting on considering getting into the industry should be well aware of that. It doesn't turn off. It's not a Monday to Friday, nine to five industry. And as you said about Gary, which is right, and he would know better than most uh, and him and his wife, Heather, I'm sure she's right involved in think of it too, that you do live and breathe it. It comes home with you. It goes back to work with you. Often you've got equipment that, doesn't stop and generators are certainly in that game. The power never turns off and you need to be aware that it is uh, not only a commitment to your business life, but it also is a commitment to your personal life, particularly in the early years.
0: One of the funniest stories about uh, renting equipment was I had Alan Beslin from Higher Express come on the podcast and he was talking about when he first started Higher Express, he pretty much had everything on his website for rent including his uh his forward drive at home <laughs> that was used by the family and then one day someone went on the website and said they wanted to rent it and so he said to his wife sorry <laughs> you don't have the car this weekend <laughs> someone's renting the car out and so that's probably a great example of of uh, how <laughs> your life can be consumed by how you're setting up your business and running through it all
1: oh it, it is that is a very good that's a very good example and I had a similar one we were uh, doing some uh, bridge building here in Brisbane and the client at the time uh, was uh, a or a major contractor. They were needed to get under the bridges to do some concrete work and they needed a tinny. And uh, so the same thing. I had a tinny at home. We raced home, got the tinny and we hired it to them. It wasn't on the list, but they they got the tinny and they paid a good rate for it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. And
1: so how do you define success? I define success as uh, I've broken it into three key areas. The first one is people, I define success as in people and uh, I am a people person. I like to breed trust, I like to breed transparency and I like to build confidence in people. And I think that brings out the best in people and therefore that's for me is a definition of success. In business, I define success as my credibility. I define it as uh, being consistent with decisions to the point where coming back to people, they know what the answer is going to be almost before I give them an answer, if they've asked and having a reputation. I think success is about having a reputation, building a legacy, something that carries on long after we're gone. So again, when you reflect on people that are looking to get into the rental industry, you think about your selection criteria for your people And think about the uh, reputation that you want to establish for your brand in the rental industry. And then the third one is life itself, uh, defining success. I'm fortunate enough to have a lovely wife and two sons. You need to enjoy what you do. Uh, I enjoy coming to work every day. I don't fight it at all. uh, It's just something that fits in perfectly with my personality. And you need to be at peace with your choices. So the choices that you make, some of them will be hard and some will be easy but you'll define the success by the fact that you've made a choice. And then once you've made it, you need to be at peace with it.
0: Yeah, some great, great life advice there for anyone coming through in any industry, I think, not just the higher rental industry.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mark. All right. Well,
0: Andrew, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. This podcast episode was brought to you by our premier partner, Ken I